Welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast, featuring Ted Ings and his distinguished guests. Each week, you'll gain valuable insights to level up your game in retail automotive's fixed operations. This episode is brought to you by BG Products, partners beyond products. And now, here's Ted Ames. Welcome back to the Fixed Ops Roundtable. It's a great pleasure to welcome back to the event Brian Benstock, who is the partner, general manager, and vice president at Paragon Honda and Paragon Acura in Queens, New York. They are the number one certified Honda and Acura dealer globally. Brian, welcome back to the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Ted, good to be here. Good to see you. Brian, great to see you. And thank you so much for all you have done and continue to do for the Fixed Ops community. Um, you know, it's it goes back a couple of years, but uh, you were really, uh, as you are today, ahead of the curve on a lot of things that have happened in our industry. And, um, you know, we didn't realize that uh, back in 2019 when we first got together at one of the early Fixed Ops roundtables. But uh, you were ahead of the curve by providing that concierge service pickup and delivery. And, um, you know, you've always been a leader, cutting edge. Uh, in service and customer satisfaction, looking for new ways. But Brian, if you don't mind, let's go back to that. What prompted you at that time to see the opportunity for you and your customers uh, in Par- uh, at Paragon? Well, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And there was a, um, a Honda and an Acura dealership in a borough of Manhattan, which is just four miles away. And those uh, dealerships, due to no fault of their own, you know, but the expenses, of course, of having or Manhattan became too much and they decided to move in a different direction. And when they did, they were, you know, those points were closed down. And we uh, were faced with the challenge of uh, trying to meet those customers in the city uh, for both sales and service opportunities. And um, our team in late 2016 got together with our marketing team and our logistics team to see what we could do to uh, solve for X and figure out how we can service more customers in the borough of Manhattan than the dealer did when they were in business there in the city. And and, I can tell you, we went through a number of different uh, iterations and thoughts. One was more crazy than the other, you know, getting four strategic garages in in Manhattan, having the customers drop the cars off there, picking them up, bringing them to Paragon, bringing them back. And and then we, we, we met the customers at the site of the former dealership in the morning and we were uh, encouraging them to come back to our store which is a 45 minute to an hour trip in the morning due to traffic and then wait there while it was serviced and then go back to the city and you know we had to conclude very quickly they will not be doing that more than once so um we 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 had to find a way to meet the customer you know and i remember pretty uh, vividly asking what would Starbucks do. You know, Starbucks had to put a Honda dealership in Manhattan. Where would they put one? And they put one on every corner was what I thought. And then I thought, how would, how can we put a Honda dealership or service department on every corner of Manhattan? And the answer was right in my hand, right? It was a cell phone, uh, making it easy for customers like Uber to just get what they need when they need it uh, by, by simply either uh, uh, texting or calling, or in uh, the case of some of the later technology we developed, talking into their phone to order the service. Wow. There were also some customer service challenges, though, that you were hoping to solve by doing this. And I remember the story, how you related it to, I believe it was Amazon at the time. They were up 1,900% with the model of, rather than searching for something to go get it, Amazon brought the product to you. Well, yeah. Well, the comparison, and, you know, I had the audacity and... and, uh 
probably the stupidity of mentioning this in front of a Google audience that, you know, what's the difference between Google and Amazon? I said, you know, Amazon, Google brings a customer to the product through search and Amazon brings a product to the customer. And I think when it came to retail sales and you looked at the graph and I can remember it to this day, Amazon was up 1900% and many uh, or almost all of the other retailers were either flat or down. And what was the reason of course for that was convenience, right? They made it easy for people to acquire what they wanted to acquire. And we started thinking through how could we do that in our industry and for our business. And um, uh, we, we thought, well, why not do what Amazon does? Why don't we bring the service department to the customer or bring the car to us and we the more we started thinking it was difficult the more we realized it's not difficult our products have wheels you know so it's it's kind of easy to to pick up the product and bring it back whereas some other products would require being put on a truck and, and so as we started down that journey uh, i think we started in march of 2017 by august we were picking up about 600 cars a month for both the honda and the acura store a year later that number had moved up to uh, 1,900 cars a month, and then uh, a year later, that number had moved up to uh, 3,000 uh, cars a month. And Ted, let me give you an update. Uh, to date, we've picked up 150,000 customers' cars, serviced them, and put them back in the customer's driveway or garage, uh, generating over $53 million in gross profit. I'm not sure how how much of that is uh, additional gross profit, but you know, I can tell you what we were able to do by doing that is to develop a more monogamous relationship with our customers. And, and um, a lot of learnings along the way, uh, Ted. I used to think that my competitors were the other five or six Honda dealers in the market. And it's very vivid when you put that on a map and you look at the other blue dots. And you see, you know, and I'm going to say five. There are many more competitors, but in our, in our geographic market, there's five competitors. And when we looked at that, um, and then we looked at the actual competitors, which were the independents. Uh, there are over 17,000 independent service stations operating within the five boroughs of Manhattan, uh, of New York, the five boroughs. 17,000. So should I be concerned about the five fellow Honda dealers or the 17,000 termites that are eating our lunch? And um, this pickup and delivery was a very good way for us to eliminate the advantage that those uh, independents had. They don't do better service than us, but they have proximity working for them. And oftentimes, they're not less expensive uh, than us. So by, by taking a page out of the Amazon book and bringing the services that we have at the dealership to those customers, um, I, I think we're able to, to capture a, a good deal of business uh, that we uh, would have otherwise lost. And Brian, it all started with you at Paragon Honda and Paragon Acura, because just a few months later, as we got into early 2020, we know the world all changed. And since that time, now everybody I meet is an expert on service pickup and delivery. I, you'll, you'll laugh. I spoke to a very large dealer group last week out of Chicago, and they told me, I mean, very big group, and they told me that they've been doing service pickup and delivery for 15 years. And no. I... And, and I and I know, Brian, that's not the case, that it really started with you on as a result of all you've done. What are some of the, the learnings on the customer experience side? What kind of feedback have you had from your customers? Customers will pay for uh, convenience every time. They'll pay a premium for convenience. Um, we're still offering the pickup and delivery at no additional charge to our customers. We, you know, I, I, we have these imaginary boardroom meetings with some of my actual managers and uh, we, we usually invite Jeff Bezos 
uh, and uh, the, the head of Google and 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 the head of Mark Zuckerberg uh, to sit in and, and Tim Cook in these imaginary meetings. And we, you know, we and then we go around. What should we do, and what would they do? And when it came to pickup and delivery, you know, the, the finance department thought we should make a package and sell the package. The service manager thought we should charge for pickup and delivery and add it to the service gross profit. And, and then when I asked when I, when I asked uh, uh, Jeff Bezos what should we do, Mr. Bezos said, "Hey, I got it. Why don't you uh, do the pickup and delivery for free?" And you know, and everybody sort of looked back because they were already counting the profit center. And, and we thought free was a pretty good offering for the consumers uh, to say, hey, we have uh, such belief in what we're doing. We're not going to charge you for that. And we did that expecting that it would have a very big impact, a negative impact on the cost uh, for us, the profitability. But we, we've, we got what we call an ROL or return on learning. And the return on learning is that the, uh, the ROs uh, were nearly double when we picked up the customer cars, service them, and brought them back to them. And, and I, I do think it, it, it makes us the one to beat and the one to watch in our, our marketplace. Uh, and uh, Ted, to one other point that you made, many dealers, many of us, have had uh, some sort of pickup and delivery offering uh, for customers for many years. I, I take no credit for uh, inventing it, creating it, uh, or even perfecting it. But I think we leaned in a little bit better. And, you know, uh, we, we have one of our stores up in Westchester, and we have, we've had a delivery man up there, you know, a shuttle van back and forth. And in our mind, we probably thought we were offering that service. But, you know, now we fully are. And when you, talk, you start looking at uh, things at scale, I think, you know, we've got a pretty good edge over most of the other dealers uh, in the nation. And I'm not – competition is co is with. I'm not against – uh, any of our competitors. I'm not doing this to have an edge on the other dealers in my market. I'm doing this to have a closer relationship with our customers. And I'm ho hoping uh, that other dealers, for the sake of our industry, do the same. And we can take back some of that 80% of the service business we're losing to the independents. You know, coming back to those independents, um, based on all that you're doing there at Paragon in Queens, New York, Brian, what best practices would you recommend to our audience who are watching today, the dealers, fixed ops directors, service and parts managers? Because there's a lot of innovation that, as you well know, that have, that's really ramped up, I think, in the last two years in the fixed ops space. What would, you, uh, what would you recommend to our audience to look at? Well, you know, I, I think you need to. I do what you're doing, right? But you, you need to look at um, all the other major players in retail today, the Amazons, the Apples. You know, uh, uh, if, I, if I had a, an occasion to need some additional headphones uh, and I called, I went online to Apple and they gave me the option of having the headphones delivered within two hours, right? And, and so the notion that overnight is fast enough now that, that, that we have to recalibrate our uh, understanding of customer service and we have to base it not on what the other independents are doing or even what the other dealers are doing but what are the big aggregators doing what are the amazons of the world apple uh, apples of the world doing and we've got to try and to uh, uh, to compete with them uh, and potentially to even exceed uh, what they're doing in the space you know, this is our game this is our bat our ball and our game it's ours to lose if we don't uh continually push ourselves to exceed customer expectations i think amazon uh and apple are great examples of uh companies with leadership that's constantly trying to find new ways to blow our mind i don't know the answer to this question you were operating 24-hour service for some time are you doing that today Yes, of course. You know, it's, again, when we look at those 
uh, Apples and the uh, Googles and Facebooks and Amazons. And I'm not comparing myself to that, so please don't paint me with that brush. But when we look to them for leadership and guidance, they're open 24 hours a day. And, you know, I, I think the marketplace uh, will demand that. And, and, and it was one of the ways that we could increase our capacity. Uh, they're, they're not making any more hours in a day. Uh, so we best use all 24 hours uh, that we have. Um, the, the cost, the CapEx cost to increase uh, the size of our facility is prohibitive. So before we consider doing something like that, why not just use all the time that we have and create efficiencies? And, you know, and, and somebody said, and I'm, I'm stealing uh, his phrase, that murder the real estate space. You've got to murder the space. You've got to use every square inch, every square, every hour of the day and, and murder that real estate and get the most, squeeze everything you can out of it before you start considering uh, uh, expanding uh, by going up or out with your real estate costs. Wow. Um, as you just alluded to, all of us as consumers, we're interacting right now with a phone, and we've been doing that for some time, and that's going to continue to grow. Um, what do you see for the future of our industry, not just on the fixed stops, but on, this, on the variable side as well, in terms of consumers interacting with that device uh, with the dealership? Well, I think COVID's accelerated uh, 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 digital retailing for us and pickup and delivery by five to 10 years. People are now using QR codes uh, almost on a daily basis. They've become very um, uh, adept, uh, adept at using QR codes. I had a QR code on a business card in 2008, and people looked at me like I was crazy. I was just... Um, well, I, was, I moved there a little bit before the market. And, and, and today, we're making use of QR codes just about everywhere uh, and the dealership for, to, to, as ways of providing more information for the consumer that they can see a QR code. Oh, I'm interested in that. Take the picture of it and then have you know uh, the uh, advantage of us giving them digital commercials right on their device uh, specific to the area that they were interested in. Um, other uh, innovations, I think, will be for us to find ways to eliminate the need for customers to come to our service department uh, at all. I don't, I don't think anybody under any circumstances wants to go to a service department. You know, and, and maybe if it's you know, to ask a genius at the genius bar, hey, how do I get more of this? Or how do I do more of that? But for the most part, it's an unnecessary step for consumers. Our responsibility is to think of the lifetime use and ownership uh, of a car and, and what we call jobs to be done. Our job when we sell a car is not just to sell the car, but it's really to provide solutions for every transaction associated with that car, right? With, whether that be maintenance or service or upgrading uh, the vehicle. So I think as we look at the, the broad opportunities that we have in a more holistic way, I think um, that would be something I would encourage dealers to do, to, to, to say whether it's through sales, service, parts, new car, used cars, it's how do you get them into your ecosystem and how do you keep them there and what, what hooks, what tools can you use to have a, um, again, I'll use the same term, a more monogamous relationship with your customers. Going back to that technology you mentioned back in 2008, there was a phrase that you said, Brian, I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to say it right. You're going to correct me. Uh, you said it, it's amazing how long things take and shocking how fast they happen. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly the quote. That's, um, that came from Professor Scott Galloway. When I gave Galloway. him credit for it, uh, Professor Galloway said, no, he got it from somebody else. But I got it from Professor Scott Galloway. It's, it's amazing how long things take and shocking how fast they happen. And you, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to uh, 
take some words from Bill Gates. When people ask me, what do you think is going to happen? I think the automobile industry will remain very much the way it is over the next three to five years. And I think in 10 years time, it will be unrecognizable from the industry that we're in today. Wow. Brian, finally, for our our dealers and uh, general managers and managers watching, what advice do you have for them for 2022? Here we are in March, you know, looking out over the horizon, uh, if that's possible. Uh, what advice would you recommend uh, to the folks who are watching us today? Well, we're, I'll just tell you what we're doing and see if that is, gives you some guidance. We're working on 2023. I think 2022 is going to play out um, uh, probably not quite the same way as last year, but very close to it. Uh, I, I think you've got to build um, – your future uh, based on what's happening in the industry, especially with the electrification that's not going away. Uh, and, and the good news for dealers is that these electric cars, much to uh, contrary to what everyone told us, these cars are requiring more maintenance than ever before. They're destroying the suspensions and the tires and all, all that good work. So we may lose the oil change, which we don't make money on anyhow. And we may pick up some other very significant services, but you know, um, you've got to prepare for that. We're in a metro area. I'm not quite sure what that demand is going to be. I think leaning in on uh, in the fixed op side on uh, collision work would be wise because whether it's electric or it's gas or it's diesel, they're going to crash it. Uh, and I think I'd lean in on uh, tires. Uh, I, I know that uh, if it's electric or gas or diesel, it's still going to run on tires. So you want to make sure you're, you're involved heavily in those areas that uh, many of us, uh, again, like your example that you used before with pickup and delivery, many dealers think they're in the collision business. Many dealers think they're in the tire business until they meet a dealer that is in the collision business and is in the tire business. And I mean, proactively going after those profit opportunities. The chances are those areas are going to make a bigger contribution to the departmental uh, net profit uh, than uh, ever before. Brian Benstock, great insights from a, a, a true innovator and leader in our industry. Brian, again, thank you so much on behalf of the Fixed Ops community and the Fixed Ops Roundtable for, uh, for sharing all of this today. Ted, thanks, and uh, always great to be with you.